feels so good to say this again. Ira Jersey, take it away. Welcome to League One Fun. We're presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. I'm Ira Jersey, and that voice you heard was Jason. Jason, it's been like, what, five weeks since you and I have chatted on this particular medium. Something like that. There's a lot going down. I think I also, too, I'm, I think I'm excited to talk to you again, but I'm also excited. I think it's bad. I'm letting my bets dictate my mood. So I, I did I did well last week going into the week feeling good. And yeah, so maybe next week or whenever we record next time, you're going to see a completely different Jason and I'm just going to be spicy and mad the whole time. I could see you doing that, you know, particularly since uh, someone from one of our fellow BGN podcasts called you a delinquent not so long ago. Listen, um, I, it, people keep calling me a delinquent because I, I'm betting on qualifications for Copa. Whatever, I'm hitting it. You're not hitting it. If, <laughs> instead of calling me a delinquent, you need to go ahead and listen to me so you can make money too, all right? If, if being a delinquent what means i got cashed and yeah i'm a delinquent what now <laughs> there you go shall we get into this how should we say this like just a mountain of news basically that's dropped over the last month and especially it seems like in february everyone waited to drop teams into february i feel like it was championship teams kind of you know name their rosters in the at the end of january their preseason started and then you know er, no one was you know, wanted to list full rosters until they, you know, saw what the dregs were that the championship teams were throwing off here. And now we have a lot to talk about. This is how I've seen it. It's like the dance is coming up. You know, the dance is coming up, but you're not going to commit to anyone because you want to see what kind of options you got, right? Like who's checking you out? Who's somebody that you know you would go with and that would say yes. And then before you know it, while you're too busy playing the field, everybody's signing the teams and finding their date. And you're like, oh man, the da- the dance is in a couple of weeks. I got to get it together. I got to find the person I'm going with. And I think that's what the teams are doing. They know the dance is coming in about a month and they got to find their dates if they want to have a successful night. Well, we know at least a couple of teams did, and let's talk about a team that we weren't sure. Some people, actually, Daryl Grove from the Total Soccer Show asked me whether or not uh, the team formerly known as Team was actually <laughs> going to have a roster and be able to play on day one. And I said, I think they'll probably get it together. They'll name some players and you know, then loan down a few others. They might only have 15 people on the, on the roster when they play their first game, but they'll have a starting 11. And, well, Fort Lauderdale... Club de Football finally got their stuff going, Jason. So first they announced that assistant coach for uh, for the first team, Jason Christ, was named uh, the head coach. Uh, Which might be also, the signing of the offseason, to be and, honest with you. And it's crazy because he also has national team duties to attend yeah. to this this year. So um, so he'll only be with the team for a couple of weeks, and then he'll be on you know national team duty come uh, I, I guess come late June into July. So um, you and know, then Jason Christ, Jason Christ, huge, right? MLS experience, absolutely. you know, definitely. And then he's he's replaced by uh, former San Antonio FC coach Darren Powell when he does go to coach. Uh, the Olympics. So it's it's not like they just have an, in, an unknown intern coming in, right? Like uh, Daryl Powell is there for uh, as their player development director, and then he's just going to plug right in. And so, yeah, like shout out to Miami for uh, or Fort Lauderdale. I don't know what we're calling them, but uh, shout out to them for for getting the logistics together from the coaching perspective, right? Like we're 
we you know they make the announcement everyone it's this team's supposed to be about development you got two guys that are amazing at that so shout out to them and not only that jason but they also dropped 10 players uh on on the roster two goalkeepers four defenders three midfielders and a striker some familiar names here jason you know like ricky lopez espin i mean i was pretty surprised that he you know showed up on this particular squad yeah, and he's a Miami native, right? And so I think that for him is the smart decision. I know last year when he left Lansing, he had tweeted about a plane and you know playing somewhere else. So I don't know if he actually went and played somewhere else, but you know, home sweet home, right? So if he has a chance to play uh, for a team in his or you know where he grew up, and then it's a team that's connected to MLS, so he can see a path, you know, to a higher league. It's a good fit for him. So uh, another thing that I think is interesting is, you know, that obviously this uh, the area of South Florida where they're going to be playing in kind of that that East Coast, the uh, Gold Coast, I guess some people call it. But down Fort Lauderdale and, and Miami way is uh, there's a lot of um, of folks of Cuban descent. Um, so they, they play up that they have four Cuban players, including two with youth national team uh, call ups, uh, Cuban national team uh, call ups. But. Is that a good thing? I mean, you know, Cuba is not exactly known as one of the uh, powerhouses of CONCACAF. So is is that, um, you know, do you think that's wise to play up the youth national team aspect and given which national team they played for? So from what I've seen, and first and foremost, remember Cuba played some of their best soccer that qualified them for uh, the Nations League, right? And obviously then they weren't able to bring pretty much their whole roster that qualified them into the actual tournament. But Cuba has some good players and they've got some players in USL championship um, that I think you're going to hear a lot from a lot of resources are starting to go towards Cuban soccer. And so this could be the beginning of, Hey, when we do see the talent coming out of Cuba, this is the pipeline we want them to go through. We want them to come straight to Miami. We want to put them straight into our USL League One team. And then we have control over where they go and how much we're getting paid for them. Yeah, fair enough. And obviously, you know, some of them were also kind of homegrownish kind of players who uh, grew up in and around the Miami area. And that's obviously huge for uh, j- just a draw. It's like this is the point of USL League One teams, even second teams uh, for for higher up teams is, you know, draw people from your local area um, and yeah. uh, and play them right. Get get and, people bloodied and, and try and develop them. To, for and the that's what. Team. That's what Miami FC did. And so you look at players like Dario Suarez, who's now going to be playing for FC Tulsa. These guys can ball. I saw Dario play in person, and these guys are talented. And it'd be great the way that USL Championship has kind of cornered the market for Caribbean players if, you know, the Cuban players join that. That's great. And, of course, they actually have a place to play. So what do you think about their stadium, Jason? So I I have my different thoughts, right? Like, one— you look at that stadium and you go, wow, that's an amazing stadium, obviously because it's a temporary stadium for the MLS side, but it's also their permanent stadium. And so you have this beautiful, big stadium, even though it looks like a pop-up shop stadium in a <laughs> sense, but it's still a, a beautiful stadium. My only fear is how many thousands of seats is in that? 15 it's, to 20, something like that, it's right? 15-ish, yeah. So yeah. that's a lot of empty space <laughs> if people don't show up. Um, and so it's going to be a weird aesthetic look to see, you know, a hundred to a thousand people, even if it's a thousand, 2000 people, which is a good turnout in USL league one in a 15,000 seat stadium. 
So I, I think there's a couple. Of, one, it is a modular stadium, so I don't know if they would sell part of it. Maybe after um, you know, if the first team moves out and winds up down in say you know downtown Miami somewhere, actually, actual Miami, yeah, yeah, actual Miami, <laughs> right? And and you know, take off maybe you know half the seats or something like that, and keep uh, you know a, a seven thousand seat stadium or something. Um, but the fact that it is in Fort Lauderdale, it's far enough away. Like if you were north of Fort Lauderdale, like in a place like West Palm or Boynton Beach or you know Boca, you might not drive like an hour plus to get into Miami for for a game, but you might be willing to go to Fort Lauderdale. Um, so I think that you know it could be that they could have a, draw a decent crowd. I mean, kind of Tucson esque, uh, you know, and have a thousand or two thousand people pretty regularly. But I, I agree with you. I think it would be too big for a regular season crowd. But I think that's one of the nice things about having a modular stadium, and at least they have a place to play that's soccer specific. So I yeah. think that's huge too, right? As opposed to you know trying to play on a converted baseball field or something like that. No offense yeah. to some of the other teams, but <laughs> um, but but it is. It's great to to have that uh, that capacity. So and it's. Um, and it's a good mix of players too. You've got academy players, you've got some youth national team players, you've got players like Eduardo Sosa who played in MLS. Uh, you've got players like Blaine Far- uh, Ferry who was also a U.S. national team player. So this is a this is a good little roster. They obviously can't play the whole season with just these guys. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how many of the first teamers come down and what other partnerships that uh, Beckham's got. Maybe he's going to bring his son in to play a couple games. <laughs> uh, we'll have to see. Well, they have said that they're going to probably bring up some academy players and also loan down some first team players. And and that, that makes sense, right? This is a right. second team and that's what you'd expect. But this is a nice core group, I think, to start with. And then, you know, you throw in five academy players, you throw in five first team players. Suddenly you have, you know, 20 odd players and you can, uh, uh, you know, you can you know, hopefully compete. Now, you know, will this team be able to gel and actually put up some points? You know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, hopefully better than OCB did last season. But, um, you know, we'll have to really kind of wait until we we see the teams actually start to match up before we can make any of that. Um, But they weren't the only second team to make some announcements, Jason. So how about the announcement of Mike Munoz as the new head coach of Toronto FC2? I did not see this one coming um, at all. But, uh, you know, any thoughts about uh, about Mr. Munoz? I think we have solidified that Toronto FC2, they're they're focused on on development. And so when you're focused on development, you bring in a guy who was the Galaxy Academy director, um, who is someone that's super familiar with an academy system, you know, being the director for U14s, U16s, U18s, the Galaxy 2 team he even coached um, in USL Championship. So yeah, this is, this is the move you make when you decide, okay, Either we're going to be a team that we have first teamers come down and rehab and we focus on that or we focus on getting these academy kids prepared for the first team like this team did, right? Where you see Okello signing uh, a first team contract, Schaffelberg, uh, Jaden Nelson, all those guys are signing first team contracts and it's because they got the time and experience at TFC too. So if that's what they want to focus on, that's the move to make. Uh, Anything else on... Toronto FC two, or shall we move on? I, I didn't see a whole lot of signings last uh, week or two from them, but I suspect that that they probably signed a bunch, but haven't. Uh, yeah, I just um, I just I haven't announced think, it. I don't think they're good at announcing things. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Tormenta FC Academy went undefeated in the USL Academy Cup. They drew their first match and then won their uh, their second and third, so they won the Premier Division 
of the inaugural U.S. Academy Cup East Coast edition. Um, I, I did see a stream of one of the games, um, and, uh, you know, it, it looked like what it was, right? It was a youth academy team, and um, there was some some really good play and a lot of mistakes, but obviously these kids are developing, and we know Tormenta knows how to do that. Jason, any, any thoughts about, you know, whether it's Tormenta or the uh, the USL Academy program in general? Yeah, it's it's actually been fun to watch. I actually watched Union Omaha when they played in the Western Conference uh, version of it. And, you know, props to these kids and props to Tormenta because it's just it's one to have a competitive team in one league, but they're doing it in every single aspect. Right. Like went undefeated before they, the season before they went to League One and then had their two team beat a USL League One team in Open Cup. Um, have had us up uh, you know multiple usl two or league two teams uh players jump up to the first team they've had a player now move up to usl championship this is the the exact epitome of what you would want from an academy and what you would want from an organization in you know lower league professional soccer they're killing it on, on every aspect I think it's interesting that, you know, USL is obviously has their Academy Cup, but not, uh, you know, only about, uh, I want to say about a third of the teams who played on the East Coast edition actually are part of the U.S. Soccer Development Academy. And when you have a team like South Georgia Tormenta that can put a team together not in the Development Academy, it does show that while the Development Academy has a lot of good things, and it's certainly where U.S. soccer focuses a lot of its attention on scouting for national team players, for the youth national teams and, and the like, um, it also isn't the only place, right? And this is the beauty, I think, of lower division soccer and the value that, uh, you know, USL League 2, USL League 1 and championship teams bring is just, you know, how, there's a lot of talent out there, but we really need a better network of of professional and semi-professional organizations to scout it and bring it together. And I think this is a, a big step forward in, in that effort. Yeah. I just, like I said, model yourself after Tormenta. A hundred percent. Simple as that. So preseason results. We're in the throes of preseason. We are, as we speak, about five weeks away from the beginning of the season. Uh, we are just to timestamp this. It is now the 17th day of February in the year 2020. And uh, I have to say, Jason, I hate to say this. It's not the regular season yet. I have not watched a regular. Uh, I've not watched a preseason match yet. I know you have, and I would love to hear your thoughts on it. But let's let's. Let go me guess. Through. You're spending time with your family, doing <laughs> spending hey, time I, with loved ones. I know I have five weeks until <laughs> I'm going to have no time whatsoever. So, <laughs> so I, I need to use it sparingly. My preseason is just rest and recovery up until the first day of the season. Yeah, I can respect it. Listen, if you as long as you are doing what you need to do now, so you can miss your kid's birthday for Toronto FC two versus New England Revs two. I respect it. You got to do what you got to do. There you go. Uh, actually, I'm going to a Red Bulls game, the season opener on my son's birthday. So, uh, see your priorities. Uh, Love yeah, it. exactly. So, Jason, talk to me a little bit about what you saw out of uh, out of Greenville versus the Charleston Battery. So it was a, uh, um, I know it was one nil, and Aaron Walker got the goal. But you know, talk to talk to me about your thoughts on that match. Yeah, they they looked good, right? Defensively, they looked sound. Um, this is, and this is all from what I'm hearing. So the only game that I got to stream was Union Omaha, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but from what I heard, you know, they brought in a lot of the young guys who had a lot of flair and excitement. Uh, a lot of the fans seemed excited by that. 
Uh, Aaron Walker scored the goal. Um, but, you know, if you want someone who actually got to see it and get the reactions, you should check out our boy Chris from the Yeah That Soccer Show. Um, and he has a great recap to let you know exactly how good Greenville is looking already. Yeah, Greenville's going to be scary this year, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they, they were good last year. I think this year they could potentially be scary. So, but we'll talk about that in, in a few minutes when we uh, when we talk about our tiering, uh, which you can find on Twitter as well. So look back in our uh, uh, look back in our, our timelines for, for that. Uh, so Union Omaha versus the Real Monarchs. It was nil nil. You did. You said that you saw the stream of this. I, so I did. What do you think? You know what? For for a team that has barely played any games together, they signed the goalkeeper, what seemed like literally right before the game. They looked good. I can't even lie. They looked really good. It wasn't one of those things to where they weren't keeping up and they were bunkering. And that's why it was 0-0. They actually probably could have and should have won this game. They had about three great chances at goal in which you know the Real Monarchs keeper was just playing out of his mind and saving them. But they looked really good. A lot of their attack was coming from the left side that I've noticed, and they did it well. And they also really defended well on that left side. Um, a lot of good chemistry, one-two passes, I'll let y'all know right now that striker Elvin's going to be a beast this year. And I don't know if we got to talk about him on the last show, uh, because I think he signed after we recorded. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, Elver as a, as a Bosnian international player, uh, he looked good. He's going to be a beast. I th- I'm thinking I'm mean, between him and N4 N4 is a, one of those forwards that's good at supplying and scoring. They might be the, combined for the two most goals between two strikers in the league on the same team it's, so, it's going to be fun to watch them so was there any particular style that you saw them playing i mean were they pressing a lot was were they just you know trying to absorb pressure and break on the counter yeah. like what what was generally speaking did, did it seem that their style was so you saw a little bit of everything one thing that they did like to do though was they they were going in a pretty fast pace right and so what they were doing was they would get the ball especially from the left side they would move up and if nothing wasn't there they would switch sides so they would back it up some give it to the center backs and the center back would switch it over to the right side and so i would say patiently waiting the pounce was that playing style, right? You go up, you you kind of attack. If you see nothing's there and the defense is waiting for it, you bring it back out and then you, you restart and plan your next attack. And that's when those one, two passes and a lot of that chemistry was really shining for them to get those attacks in, get those crosses in and uh, have a couple shots on goal. And uh, so a couple of couple of things. So I listened to this today. The uh, Who Gives a Hoot podcast had a uh, had a nice little ten minute recap. They talked to Matt Hominoff, the general manager, um, during their watch party that they were having at uh, uh, over there in Omaha. Um, recommend that you see that. Um, you know, for our friends in Lansing, Xavier Gomez's performance. Did he uh, did he see the pitch and and did he contribute anything? I think he did. So when I was watching, a it's a silent stream, so that's not very helpful. Um, and so they just had jersey numbers. But there is a jersey number of 41, and I don't know if it was his because I think he played 10 in Lansing. Uh, that was really impressive. Um, but there, from what I heard, I think, you know, like looking at their recaps and looking at tweets, I'm not surprised that Xavier is killing it already, right? This is somebody who was a vital piece of Lansing's attack and defense, you know, working with Serta, stopping those counters. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that midfield, I, I, if I'm an Omaha fan, I'm pretty excited right now. 
So X is actually uh, number 23. At least that's how they list them on uh, uh, on their roster. Okay. But uh, but they don't. They're also missing some players from their roster. Full stop. Because uh, um, they have more players. Maybe, maybe yeah. some are. Uh, so you know. And how about Nuhu? Did he make any? And uh, any? We'll talk about him in a few minutes. But did he make any particularly you know glaring saves or anything like that? Their their keeper that was from Ghana that was signed just before. <laughs> The uh, just before the match started, I think. Yeah, no, he he seemed to control the box well. Um, wasn't anything that I saw that was well, he wasn't standing on his head. I don't, and you know that's props to the defense. I don't think he had to. Um, but yeah, he for him to be coy and shy on the bus as they introduced him in the video, uh, he seemed to switch the switch the light on and become a lot more aggressive and control his area when he needed to. Great. Shall we move on to Orlando City B beating up on, uh, not really beating up, but actually beating Florida Chivas U23s. Uh, so it was a 5-3 result. Um, you know, I, I didn't even see highlights of this match. So any thoughts on uh, on that particular uh, high-scoring win there for OCB? Yeah, so from what my little birdies told me, there were a couple first-teamers down uh, playing for OCB, like Patino and David Lorera. And of course, uh, Austin Amer was there and they said that Austin was one of those game changers. He's looked really good. You can tell he's going to be one of the forces for OCB this year. And then there are there's six foot 12 <laughs> Serbian striker that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. I heard was very good. And it's interesting. And we'll talk about it later because they have Daryl DK playing for them in a couple of scrimmages. They played USF. Uh, a couple, I think last week, and Daryl DK was playing. So you've got these two athletic strikers, and it looks like they're playing a single striker role. So it's going to be kind of, you know, it's a it's a battle right now to see who gets that start. Um, but it's also going to be a pain for defenses for other teams because imagine that you have to deal with Daryl DK for a whole 60, 70 minutes, and then he subs off. You think you get a break, and now you're dealing with, you know, the Empire State striker. So... So, so do you think OCB could wind up being like the TFC two of last year, where you know they can they can get you know three to five goals every single match, yeah, but wind abs- up giving up just as many? That's exactly what I think they're going to be. <laughs> it's it's a verbatim. You're you're right. Uh, I, and I think they're going to be a team now to where it's one of those, like you looked in the past and you're like, okay, OCB, we at least are getting a point. I don't think you can do that anymore. I think OCB has been looking a lot better from what I've been hearing this off season. They're bringing in, you know, five international low knees uh, that might potentially be trying to play for the first team. This is going to be a different Orlando city B. So the league needs to watch out for them. All right, and finally, the Red Wolves beat up on Atlanta United 2-4-0. Uh, two goals from Pineda, a goal from Ziad with an assist from Pineda, and also Ricardo, um, is it Zacharias? Zacharias? Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, you, whenever you the, say the name, that's what it is, Ira. The traditional Ira mispronunciation. <laughs> Ricardo, I'm very sorry. Please <laughs> you know, tweet at me and tell me you know, phonetically how to pronounce your name. I'm sure there's a list out there somewhere, and I just didn't uh, have time to look for it before the show. But anyway, uh, so you know, great on the Red Wolves. I mean, Atlanta United, too, not exactly the creme de la creme of two teams within uh, the championship. But the fact is they are playing in the championship. So... Um, so the fact that the Red Wolves maybe you know got got some good offense at least uh, shows that maybe they're going to do something they, they didn't do last year, which is put up more numbers, right? Like that was 
that was always the Red Wolves' issue last year. They would you know win one nothing or lose one nothing. So um, if they can score two or three goals a game, they'll have a much better record than they did last year. Hey man, this is going to be Pineda's season. When you look at what he he came on towards the second half of the season, right? He only played in 13 games or only started in 13 games last year and he started around june is when he started getting those starting roles and he immediately changed the dynamic of that team and there was a period to where he was the one creating almost every goal for them right so in 13 games that he started he had 23 key passes and four assists and then in this game that he played against atlanta united too both of his goals came from free kicks where he bent the ball around the wall I don't know, man. If seeing his pictures, seeing the reaction, seeing how happy he is, seeing how the team seems to be giving him a lot more control of that offense, that's going to be big for him. And it's going to allow for other players who used to be on the ball. Now they can make those runs and they can show you know, their talent because they have a passer who's on the dime and who can control that offense. I think this is his breakout season. That's great. Uh, anything else on these preseason matches that we've seen so far? We'll have more preseason matches coming up over the next couple of weeks. Preseason matters. It, it does matter. We found that out last year. Yeah, preseason <laughs> matters. If for nothing else, we get to see, you know, quite frankly, have conversations like we just had. What's the style that people are going to play? Are they starting to gel? And is there chemistry among the team, right? If, if yep. nothing else, that it matters for those reasons. Yep. So, uh, so some news, or I don't want to call it news, but, you know, rumors slash speculation slash... Uh, you know, folks from USL headquarters going around the country looking for potential expansion teams. So, shall we uh, talk about the first one, Jason? You want to? Yeah, you you, you want to hit up the first the, one? The, the first one. Uh, so the, uh, I, I'd prefer to take the second one actually. Why don't you take the first one? <laughs> wow. So I can't. I, wow. Really? Well, just one that I, I know something just, about. Just spoiled. <laughs> Absolutely spoiled. So yeah. So when we look at. Uh, USL teams potentially, USL League One teams, I should say, potentially, you know, getting a spot. Where are some areas that you think would be a good area to put one? Like when we look at Any, a map of teams anywhere, right now. W- anywhere west of um, Omaha. <laughs> okay, so so give me a city that you think would be a good one. Let's go with Boise, Idaho. Okay. Uh, what about one that uh, we we've heard some rumblings about that I can uh, get into? Spokane, Washington. Mm-hmm. There you go. An I like interesting, this interesting place. So it, so is is Spokane? You know, I, I don't know enough about the geography of the of the Northwest, but it seems like there's a lot of soccer teams up there now. You know, especially oh, yeah. with uh, you know Portland and and Seattle and, and Vancouver. But Spokane is a little bit east of that, right? Um, yep. And and there there I mean from what I've read, it's some pretty serious kind of push for this, right? And a lot of this actually goes towards the success of Madison. So I think um, you know reading the interview, their spokesperson and chief operating uh, officer of USL, you know he presented you know the high energy videos and success of Madison, and it really caught the eyes of the people there. And they're looking at a stadium. Uh, to play that's going to be estimated about $31 million. And, you know, this is something that I think is good. We need to have more West Coast teams. We need to have teams in areas that have a proven soccer community and demand the play. Uh, when you go up into Washington, Oregon, that Cascadia area, that's what you got. And so, 
Yeah, this is something where you hear this name. I don't think it's one of those where we just hear it and then that's the end of it. I think this is something that we're going to hear more in the future, especially when voters are already seeming to lean on the yes side of building a stadium. Yeah, that would be uh, th- that would be great. I mean, I think Stadia is always going to be one of the the tricky points, but I think it's much easier to go out and build, you know, a three to five thousand seat stadium in a lot of areas than say a twenty five thousand seat stadium, right? It just you know you can build one on an old, uh, um, you know, you don't necessarily need to find uh, you know an old. Uh, an old manufacturing site like a brownfield or something like that in order to build the stadium that's maybe not in a great location right if you can you can build one of these smaller stadiums very close to downtown um and uh, and that'll make things i think just much more accessible uh so another another one that that uh, you know i'm interested in primarily because of uh my, my family happens to live equidistant between the uh this uh, this city, uh, but High Point, North Carolina, is apparently seeking an ownership group and trying to build an ownership group for USL League One team. Uh, that would basically be a Greensboro and uh, uh, a Greensboro Winston Salem uh, High Point uh, team, kind of for that area. So when you th- when you think about High Point itself, it's not particularly big, but when you throw into their Greensboro and Winston Salem, now all of a sudden you have you know a, a reasonably big metropolitan area but it is also very spread out so it has the same problem that like you know North Carolina FC has in Raleigh where you have you know Raleigh Durham Chapel Hill and and Cary they're all you know relative they're all okay sizes in themselves but could they support an MLS team that's you know in Cary and not necessarily in in say downtown Raleigh so um so I think High Point is another interesting place for that. But you know, Jason, what do you think? You know, it's we wind up having all a lot of very East Coast centric teams. Is that uh, should should we be thinking about High Point as a potential entry or uh, or any team that that fits the kind of the profile of a USL League One team? Or let's, do you think that not, the league should be focused on the West Coast? I'm down for any independent teams. Right. My my fear is that. We, we need to make sure that we have a balance of two teams and independent teams. And as long as it's an independent team with the ownership that's behind it, I'm cool with it. But one question I have for you is if High Point's not as populated and Greensboro is where all the action is, why High Point and not Greensboro? Because of the land availability for a stadium? Yeah, I think it's probably the economic development area um, is probably part of it. It also high point is like basically right in between Winston-Salem and Greensboro. So if you were going to like put a team in Greensboro, it's actually more difficult for people from Winston-Salem to get there. So in in a way, it kind of can potentially draw from both of those other slightly larger cities uh, down to high point. And a lot of people know high point because of the um, uh, because of the furniture manufacturing that's there. There's always, you know, they talk about the high point discount and things like that for uh, for furniture, so it is. It is actually a destination uh, locally within North Carolina. So, um, so I don't think it's a bad place to have it, especially if they can get that stadium and they can create a buzz, and you know, and also you know, bring in people from Greensboro and Winston Salem. The other thing to remember about soccer down there is the uh, the U.S. Development Academy and uh, um, ECNL uh, also have their some of their. Um, big showcases down in, in that area as well. Mm. So it's uh, it's known kind of as a I don't it's like an East Coast Mecca almost where where you know a lot of very high quality soccer ends up being played. Didn't know that. 
Well, now you do. And you're going to remind me that there's an MLS team that's thinking about starting a. Uh, oh, am I, am a I allowed to? You sure you don't? Is that you want this one too? Am I allowed to speak? Oh, no. On I, only, this? I only wanted High Point. That's <laughs> the only one I want because I do yeah. something about it. So, so it was interesting because it hasn't made that much noise, but there was an interview and they were talking about the Columbus crew aiming the field a reserve team. And what they were talking about was how right now Columbus is actually loaning out a lot of their uh, MLS draft picks to USL championship teams. And so I know they loaned out um, JJ to Birmingham last year. And uh, this year they actually loaned out their draft Ryu Shimizaki to the New England Revolution 2 team. So you'll see him in USL League 1. And I think they're kind of tired of cons- you know consistently just loaning out these players, right? Abu Bakar and, went and they, to... And yeah, exactly. I was going to bring that up. Abu Bakar K- uh, yeah, went, to went to Richmond for uh, basically a cup of coffee and then wound yeah. up getting recalled. But, so, yeah. so it's one of those things. It's just like, why are we... Why are we doing this, right? Like, what what is the benefit of us just continuously loaning it out? And so, uh, at the end of the interview, you know, they said that the plan is for them to build their reserve team, and so uh, and and have it soon, right? So, my assumption is you're looking at a USL League One side. I don't think they're they would go to championship, right? I think it would be USL League One. Well, I think I at this point, at this point, I think USL doesn't want any more two yeah, teams to go to championship. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I agree. So just a, just the possibility to look at, you know, we've heard about, you know, Lakeland and we've heard about a West Coast team. And I think we have a question about that later. So we'll talk about that. But there there's some teams really out here that's uh, poking for next season. So keep an eye out. Yeah. And obviously, you know, if you're going to if you're going to have a development pathway and you also want a place for that bottom half of your roster to get regular minutes, like, you know, a two team is where you do that. And if you're Columbus, you either have to loan out those players, which means that you're not controlling their training. You're not controlling their, um, you know, what they're doing on the pitch, uh, uh, you know, game to game. And if the team plays a, a different style than you do, you know, they might be getting into bad habits that don't make them as useful for your team. So, you know, yeah. keeping all those things in house definitely, definitely can help. I mean, you've seen that with, you know, you've seen that with with North Texas. You've seen that with uh, with the Real Monarchs. You've seen that with the New York Red Bulls too. You know, all of those teams have had uh, you know good success both in, as a development pathway and also helping the bottom of their rosters stay uh, match fit. So, yep. so shall we get on to some signings? There's a lot of them. I um, you let's know, just I, yeah, we can just run through them and name just a run couple through them really quick. So yeah. why, why don't I do the kickers and then and then we'll go every other team here that we have on our little rundown. Uh, okay. So the rich. Richmond Kickers re-signed goalkeeper Matt Brummel. Um, you know he uh, he didn't play that much last season, uh, thanks to Akira Fitzgerald, who's also there. My guess is he stays as the backup. Um, they also signed uh, striker, and here I go again. I had to pick this one because it's another name that I'm going to butcher, <laughs> and I apologize in advance. But it's Emiliano. Uh, I'm not even going to try it. <laughs> Terzashi. Terzashi. I did yeah, try it. Okay. That, that, that's um, decent. Okay. Uh, anyway, he's 30 years old. He played in Argentina, and um, he uh, so he he doesn't score a lot of goals. I, I don't. Is he actually a striker? So I, I did watch a little bit of video of him. Uh, what right after um, right after we got notification that he signed, he seems a little bit more of, as a facilitator to me. Um, he, he does. So is, he's an attacker for sure, but is he a striker? I'm, I'm not sure that he's a out and out striker. Yeah, I, I think he he is more of a, a facilitator. I think you're right about that. I think I'm just 
wondering who is actually playing striker then <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah that's that's you know quite frankly this was richmond's problem last year you know they had uh, you know they um um uh, they had daniel jackson they had uh um shoot someone else whose name escapes me now but um yeah that this this is the kicker's been the kicker's problem is they don't have like some a target person to get the ball in front of but you know but you could also have uh, a facilitator to help knock down balls and you know making good passes and you know but without you know yet they still have a mop way they have they have some players that could potentially score and could be a real goal scoring threat so um so i suspect that that you know, if if he's able to facilitate and get the ball in front of goal, then good things can still happen. Yeah, and I think you're thinking of uh, Dennis Chin. Dennis Chin, um, I'm sorry. Right, sorry. and I think that's the kind of player maybe you compare him to, right? Like somebody who's not your designated goal scorer, but can score goals and can also help facilitate them. Yeah, so almost like if you played a four four two and you have the two striker system, you could have you know one of them playing off the other, and um, yeah. That I could, you know, we'll, we'll we'll see, right? We're gonna have some preseason matches for the kickers coming up, and um, you know, assuming I have any time to to watch them, we'll uh, we'll have some news for you on that. Uh, do you want to take the Chattanooga Red Wolves, sir? Yes, uh, Mark Hernandez, winger from Reno, didn't get too much playing time, but it's a good depth signing. And then your boy Ricardo Zacarias, who already had scored this preseason, uh, former league uh, Liga MX player. So uh, Liga MXE, I got to get my Spanish together. I'm actually going to Guatemala soon. So, but yeah, uh, he uh, he uh, yeah uh, came from the uh, I think Club America Academy, if I'm not mistaken, or you know um some one of the major teams and so it'll be uh interesting to get more tape on him during the preseason and see if that's somebody who competes for a for a job up top all right and i get the greenville triumph where um where omar muhammad's cousin uh abdi muhammad he is gonna play there he's um uh, he's a he's an outside back, so he'll be a backup out there probably for um, for, for the guys currently on the roster. Um, also, goalkeeper Paul Christensen. So they actually had signed someone last season who uh, decided to leave the game. Actually, uh, so again, a, a backup here to um, uh, Dallas J. To Dallas J. Geez, I. I yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't remember Dallas Jays. I must be getting tired. Uh, so anyway, so back up to Dallas J. He's a former uh, Atlanta United goalkeeper. And uh, and also uh, we have some sad news, actually, and, and kind of surprising. And we should talk about this for at least 30 seconds here, Jason. But Cole Seiler announced that he's retiring from soccer. Do you think, uh, you know, it, it's obviously sad. I mean, uh, you know, he was a solid player last year. Um, you know, do you think that this is just – you know, hanging up the boots because he wasn't going to move up and he wanted to make some real money or, um, Uh, it could be various reasons. It's definitely not a a physicality thing. I do think he's a great player and I do think he's talented enough to play in USL championship. Sometimes it's just bigger things in soccer, right? Sometimes you decide it's time for a new career. Maybe the passion's not there anymore. Maybe it's, you're doing this for your family, right? You, You know, life is life. Um, he he will be missed though. You know he won the most aerial duels in the league last year. Was a player that you can put in multiple positions. And for as good as Greenville looks, 
I'm not quite sure how they replace him right now. So when you look at, you know, they acquired Colin Stripling from FC Tucson, uh, p- players like him and Paul Klaus have to step up or are going to be really important because uh, he's definitely an important player. And Siler is one of those where if the, you know, if somebody, if they needed help in the midfield, he was up there, right? If they needed help on the right side, he got moved there. Um, so it's sad to see him go, but I do wish him the best. And like I said, you know, sports is sports. Sometimes life is just a little bigger than that. Yep, for sure. And, uh, you get the next one here, Jason. Okay. So, uh, Tormenta went ahead and got their coaching staff. And usually when you hear something like that, you're like, oh, okay, well that's cute. But when we're talking about Tormenta, this is a whole structure, right? Of like academy to second team, the first team. So their coaching staff is extremely important. And so Ian Cameron, Jorge Gonzalez, and Nick uh, Jaramillo or Jaramillo, uh, as the assistants, uh, one is returning. You have a goalkeeper coach. You have the assistant who will be coaching, I believe, Tormenta FC, or he was uh, head coach of Tormenta FC2 last year, returning this year to coach for the first team. So it's important for Tormenta to get that in, and it's good to see that they got it done. Another uh, Des Moines alumni. Got to throw it out there. Oh, really? They're they're just everywhere. Yes. They're everywhere. Yeah, and it seems like like for – for League One in particular, it seems like there's like three or four universities that have a ton, like Mercer University, for example, mm-hmm. obviously is big for Tormenta, right? Just because they're 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 down there. But but they seem to have a ton of people that go places too. And and it's not one of the it, places you've you'd think, right? There if you look up all of their alumni, not just from a player perspective, but coaching perspective too, it's absolutely amazing what they've done in the past decade. They, it's incredible how many players they have in MLS right now. Their former, you know, their their latest director just left to go to a USL championship team to be, you know, the coach there. So it's it's incredible what they're doing, and uh, I think that they're going to make a big splash once they get in the USL championship. Excellent. And uh, so forward, Madison. Why don't we why don't we take turns on this one? But the big news and the news we have to mention first is that <laughs> Connor Tobin came back. We we all were wondering where is he? I knew where, it. You did. You said it's like it's like Connor's going to come back, and it's like he didn't sign. It's like what was he doing? Uh, they did you know forward as they always do. Did a great job on social media showing Connor Tobin like right before in in like a moving truck, and like everyone's like nervous. Like you moving out or moving in? Like, what's going on? This team threw a birthday party for a cow. There ain't (laughs) no way that they're letting Turbo leave in the most nonchalant fashion ever with a tweet that's like, best luck on your next chapter. That ain't happening. The day that Turbo leaves that organization, the whole city of Madison is having a party and a a goodbye party for him. That's so, so yeah. But him coming back is not just beneficial for the team on the field this is this is one of the most important people in madison itself he he's he goes along with the community he's such a representative of what that team what that city what those fans what that community represent uh so it's a huge huge get for them uh i don't know like he played pretty much every single minute last year uh he was only subbed out once I don't know if he still has it in him to do that this year, but regardless, to have him back, to, for him to be able to train up the younger CBs to get them ready for next year, it's it's a big step for Ford Madison. And I wouldn't be surprised if he starts taking on a coaching role, you know, as early as next year or even this year. 
Yeah. Well, he, he could also, I mean, potentially be an off the bench person. And if they want to change their shape a little bit and go to three in the back, he could be one of those three, right. Depending on the tactical situation that they're in and who they're playing against. Right. So, right. So, so I think he, he gives a lot of options and is definitely a great locker room presence. You know, even if he's, you know, maybe he doesn't play 28 games as he did last season, but you know, maybe he winds up, um, you know, uh, playing you know 15 or 20 and that's that's plenty right if if he does his job and like you said gets everyone else ready um, listen with everyone that's uh bringing in a 612 striker <laughs> <laughs> you gotta yeah, you have need, somebody like turbo back there you need a tall physical guy you know uh yeah or eric leonard just you know maybe gonna make sure that that uh um, you know, his vertical gets better. Or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but also they signed former Richmond kicker Eli Lockerbie. Um, you know, Lockerbie played quite a few games last season for the kickers. Was there uh, was a right back and right wing back when they played three in the back? So, um, you know, he you know good get. I don't know, you know, how much he'll if he'll be a lockdown starter or if he'll wind up being more of a uh, more of a squad player. But, um, you oh, know, certainly we'll something talk about that we know. That. Because yeah. a lot of people are hyped for Ford, and I see a lot of question marks, and that's especially at that right back side and yeah. even that left back. But we'll get into that a little later. Okay. Well, how about Josiah Trimmingham? Uh, he's a Trinidad. Uh, he's uh, from Trinidad and Tobago, center back. He has, you know, so you've seen him, right? So talk yeah. to me a little bit about Joe Josiah. So I was in Trinidad, and I was watching a game there, and he played for. Um, Sando and I'm watching him and all I'm thinking is how is this big guy jumping so high and how is he so big and then this is probably two three years ago so then one of the guys next to me goes oh yeah he's he's 20 <laughs> I was like there's no way so then when I see him in this picture now somehow between 20 and 23 he's putting even more muscle uh, but don't let that size fool you because uh, what Sando did is they played a high press. And so he was almost midfield for a good 30, 40 percent of the game. And he was very comfortable being that high. He was very comfortable with the ball feet and getting those passes in. Um, so don't think that he just will sit there and wait for you. He's somebody that can come up and meet you halfway. And he's also someone you're not going to win a header against. Simple as that. That's a good scouting report right there. Uh, Lewis Bennett, who, uh, if you watched the championship, you might re- remember him from Memphis 901. Um, you know, did, didn't play a ton of games, but he, you know, his championship quality and coming down to forward Madison, I think he'll see a lot more minutes. He's a, uh, he's a midfielder, tends to be, you know, more of a number eight um, and, and can play as a six, I think. Um, I've seen a, uh, seen him play a little bit over, over the last couple of years. 24 years old, so he's not one of the older guys on the team. And uh, you know he'll be, uh, you know, a, a depth option if not if not a starter. Um, I think if nothing else, you know, you put uh, Eric Leonard out there with, you know, maybe maybe Lewis Bennett next to him as a as another six, and maybe Lewis gets up a little bit uh, farther than than Eric. So um, you know that could be a really interesting pairing they, there, depending on how they play. Yeah, they they've got like twenty million defensive uh, midfielders right now, so I'm curious <laughs> to how this is going to work out. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if they I mean my guess is they'll they'll still play a 4-3-3. I mean that's what they played last year. The question is, you know, how, how's that rotation um, you know, they'll have a 6 and 2 eights probably would be my guess and um, you know, who steps forward of those eights a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, into kind of the 10 spot, you know, JC Banks 
played that position quite a lot last season. So, um, you know, I, I think I think that's probably what's going to happen. Um, and then, you know, who who winds up being the other eight, I think, is probably up for grabs. I mean, oh, some of those players we'll talk about that. Seen. All right. Well, I definitely want to definitely want to talk about that. That's those are this is the tactical nuance that that I really live for. Um, so North Texas SC, um, that's that's yours, my friend. Luis Amudio. And the reason why I put this in our notes is because he's a former Club America goalkeeper. And I think this is their third or fourth Liga Mekki player that they're bringing on. And I don't know. I'm starting to see a little trend, right? Like, is this going to be kind of the new pipeline to try to get Mexican players over into USL? Um, because a lot of their you know, spots, their international spots they're using, instead of going to the European side or instead of bringing someone in like Al Fusani Jana, they're bringing in uh, Mexican players. So just something to look at uh, from that North Texas side. All right. Yeah. The, I mean, I think you're also, you know, playing with the fan base too, right? I think given that North Texas going into their new stadium, mm-hmm. uh, which is is apparently ready. I mean, they, they played an XFL game there. So presumably um, it's, it's going to be all set for uh, the soccer season as well. Um, you know, you're trying to draw in a crowd that might have certain loyalties to uh, Liga MX. And if you, you have players that are familiar to some of the potential fan base, that, uh, I think that that could be an interesting draw for um, for the local community. So it could be a very smart move from both a marketing side as well as an on-the-field side if, if he's any good. Um, so And depending on whether or not they're going to have loans down from, from the first team like they did at the end of last season too. Right. Um, those cheaters. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't don't get mad at me, Eric. Ira uh, Jersey is his Twitter account. Yeah, Eric. At Eric, Ira Jersey. Yeah, Eric Quill will uh, probably not <laughs> uh, not ever forgive me for forgetting his name on a on another podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, so FC Tucson signed Charlie Dennis, formerly of Tormenta FC. I was shocked when I saw that, uh, yeah. Jason. I really was. I mean, a good get for FC Tucson. Um, but I, I was pretty surprised. People, I think, were afraid to take the chance from their international spot on him, and it's a dumb decision to make because he's the real deal. On both sides of the ball, he's got the physical skills, he's got the body, he literally had the second most created chances in the league, uh, won the most duels in the league, or was in, involved in the most duels, and second won the second most duels behind Arturo Rodriguez. It, it's... It's wild the kind of player he is and you where you can put him and you know to see FC Tucson use their international spot for him and to see kind of how FC Tucson is using this team, I think that this is a move for Phoenix Rising. I think this is his chance to show what he can do. He was consistent last year if he shows that uh, consistency this year and there's a chance he's getting his green card coming up. That's an easy move up to Phoenix Rising. Right, so use an international roster spot here on Tucson, and then if he gets his green card, you know he's a he's a domestic player then and can go anywhere. Yeah, that's an interesting idea. So 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 another reason to have uh, to have two teams right right there, Jason. You know, yep. uh, you you need a two team because that doubles your number of international spots that you can use. Um, assuming that the player is willing to to play at that lower level, right? That's that's always one of the right. catches. So, uh, also Azad Liadi, he uh, was a uh, an attacker out of Georgia Southern University. Um, I haven't seen any tape on him. Have, have you, Jason? Do you know anything yeah. about him? 
Yeah. He's 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 very good, very good with his feet, very good with the off-ball runs. I'm pretty sure that Tucson and Tormenta made a deal, and Tormenta said, all right, you can get Charlie Dennis, but we need to know the best player that plays on your field in college. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's who he was. He was Georgia Southern's best player. All right, there you go. Um, so I'm going to let you take this this next one, Jason, but I can say this, that you know there were two players that you could – What is – Wait a second. Is this? Oh, the train's coming in. All aboard. Oh, that's that's the a hype Eric train. Bergen hype right train. <laughs> Eric Bergen hype train. Didn't know there yes. was such a thing. Yes. I Listen, I've been conducting this train for a little bit now. This is his year. He only played in 16 games last year, led the team in key passes, 80% accuracy in his opponent's half, and like a 95% accuracy in his own. This kid can ball. He's going to be the centerpiece of this offense. I'm so excited for this. Please, when he is balling on your team and saying, who is this guy? Don't act like I didn't tell you. This kid is exciting to watch, and I'm so excited for him to get the keys this year. Nice. That'd be great. But no Devin Jamga and no um, uh, and no Kyle Ventner. Uh, but you know, FC Tucson is a development team, right? So uh, obviously they, they want guys who they think can have the possibility of moving up to Phoenix rising. So, um, if Eric's one of those guys, it seems like you're right. You know, like he, uh, um, you know, he showed flashes of brilliance last year, so he gets more playing time, and maybe he'll do some pretty amazing things. Yep, and, and you know, Jameel Cox going away, Ramal Howell going, you know, getting traded or, you know, being signed uh, elsewhere. This is his midfield, right? there. This is one of those things to say, all right, like you showed brilliant signs last year. Let's see if you can consistently do it. And I'm excited to see him do it. Yeah. Uh, Toronto FC two. We haven't heard anything from Orlando City B. Also, nothing official. But I've heard from a bird that uh, that Jason might have some information that none of the rest of us know yet. Yeah. So uh, it kind of falls into Miami because I tweeted about it. There is a former Greenville player who actually trialed with Orlando, but now I'm hearing he is headed south and will be signing with Miami. Uh, so you guys can do your own research and check that out. Miami, meaning Miami FC. Fort Fort Lauderdale. Oh, Fort Lauderdale uh, CF. In, inter CF uh, 2. <laughs> team. <laughs> we have to go back to team now. Yes. It's too so, confusing. So I'm excited because if he does sign with a, a team, uh, you know, maybe those OCB games are a little revenge game for him. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that would be that would be funny. Uh, so we'll have to look for that. Hopefully there'll, there'll be some announcements, uh, especially now that they kind of, you know, br- they broke the dam here. So hopefully they'll they'll announce a few more. Uh, the New England Revs, too, uh, they signed uh, they signed Supergraft, uh, Super Draft Pick <laughs> goalkeeper Keegan Meyer. Um, I don't remember seeing a lot of uh, a lot of him, but he, um, you know, obviously was good enough to be uh, to be considered in the draft. Uh, the fact that he signed for Revs too, I think that's a perfect place for young goalkeepers, right? Yeah. Being being a 22 years old for a goalkeeper is still very young, right? Uh, goalkeepers don't often don't peak until they're close to 30. So unlike a field player, that maybe you're kind of more mid 20s when you peak, right? Guess guess what school you went to? Uh, don't tell me Georgia Southern. No. High Point. Oh, High Point. Interesting. Mm-hmm. There you go. So maybe that's another reason why High Point. Uh, is looking for a USL League One team, right? Maybe yeah. they they, they want to 
they they want to use their university as a uh, as a feeder. Stop giving away your players. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, we already talked about um, we already talked about Fort Lauderdale. Um, let's go to Union Omaha, and this will be our last one. Jason, you can uh, take it away. Yeah, uh, Tyler David, midfielder from Hartford Athletic. Uh, watching him play was fun in the preseason game. This is a, a midfielder who just was everywhere uh, and just going back and forth, um, up and down, you know, was one of those ones to where he drew a lot of defenders to him, which allowed space to open up. So just somebody to watch your preseason, especially when these guys are battling for uh, starting spots. Uh, and then Ira, there's somebody that uh, you might, be aware of um you know we talked about him earlier but i didn't know he was a red bull uh two player so do you know anything about their new goalkeeper yeah so rashid Nuhu. so he played for new york red bulls too i he played in a handful of games i think four or five maybe not a lot unfortunately he was behind evan morrow who got a bulk of the games and was a kind of a fringe first team bench player um and actually evan was on the bench when uh luis robles got injured and uh um uh, and, and Moro moved up. So that, that's really when Nuhu got his chances. Um, didn't make any big mistakes. He played for Fordham. Um, I've seen him play a couple of times in, in friendlies and uh, on the training pitch. Um, you know, he controls the box pretty well. Uh, his distribution's decent. Um, I just think he didn't get enough playing time, right? So he didn't really get a chance. So it'll be nice to see him, if he plays regularly, uh, what he could actually do at the professional level. Yeah. And, uh, I don't like I mentioned earlier. Don't know if we talked about it, but Elvir, I'm double digit goals. Go ahead and mark it now. You can call it a spicy take. I call it a guarantee. That man is is ready. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so yesterday on Twitter, you put out two lists of uh, of tiers, kind of preseason tiers, which you know, quite frankly, are not much more than educated guesses on our part, but it's fun anyway, and people always want us to do these things, so we did. Um, so, show how do we want to do this? Are we going to just start at the top? Like, who's your top tier? And yep. I, you know, let's, and I'll let's do talk it. Talk about mine. So, my top tier. I only have one team in my top tier. It's a Greenville Triumph. It's. I think that they're they're the team to beat this year. They're have they start the season at the top. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree at all. Basically brought back the same team. One of the things about Greenville losing players uh, like Kevin Pulitz, they've been able to replace with also very consistent, known, dependable players like Brandon Fricky. So this is not just losing a big player and trying to figure out what you're doing. They've already figured that out. Uh, they've already brought back their core. They added depth. They've got Alex Morrell who probably is going to come off the bench and probably be the best, you know, super sub in the league. I I can't I can't deny it. They're they're top right now in the league. So I have to admit, after doing some research for this particular show, I, I think I might have um, agreed a little bit more with your um, with your rankings than than mine when it comes to the kind of the second tier. Um, so well, I didn't, I, yeah. So, so, so should I tell what's in my first tier though? Yeah, you oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Team. I had two. Oh, uh, what was your second team? Yeah. North Texas. And here's why. So I know it's one of those things to where it's hard for you to judge a team when it's filled with players you haven't seen before. Right. But 
had we heard of Arturo Rodriguez last year before the season started? Had most of us heard of Breck Evans? Had most of us heard of these players? No. And they came and they balled out and now they're all going to USL championship, right? So I think when you have a team that dominant that comes from a system that's known to be dominant and known to be a well-ran system, they deserve to get the benefit of the doubt. And so instead of saying, okay, well, I can't judge them until I see them, I'm going to say, look, you guys have to prove to me that they're not going to be as good as last year's roster because I didn't know them either. And they came out balling because of the way they play, because of the way that that whole franchise, that whole team is ran. It's it's opposite as far as me being able to judge players. I'm going to let them have the benefit of the doubt before I rank them back further down. Okay, so I put them I put North Texas in my second tier. And the reason why I put North Texas in my second tier was um, that I agree with you. But my my worry for them is how much of their pipeline that they're still building um, has already been on North Texas. And will it take another year or two for that kind of talent to kind of reemerge again? Right. So um, if you think about like all the, of all of their best, you know, U19s and and uh, um, and and U21 kind of players, uh, I think that they've already come through North Texas. Right. So that is the Breck Evans of the world. That is, you know, Colin Montgomery got loaned down uh, quite a lot and he'll probably get more time on the first team this year. So. Right. So I think that's the reason why I put them just below. They could certainly end up there. I'm not saying that they can't, but I would put them just a, like a half step below uh, the Greenville Triumph because um, I, I just think you know they're going to be playing more 16 and 17 year olds this year as opposed to their 19 and 20 year olds who should be playing in probably the MLS team, but the MLS team is already too stacked in some of those positions. So as long as there is a Rodriguez brother on that team, <laughs> I am not going to rank them anything lower than the first tier. So- was that <laughs> also okay. just because i know you are you know spending time with people that actually care about you colin montgomery uh was uh loaned out to san antonio fc this year oh that's right i forgot yep. yeah that's so, right. i forgot yeah, for yeah. usl championship i, I, I fans, did actually see that you can watch you can watch yeah. out for that yeah um yeah i wonder you, you know well, I, this this I wish this was a question, but you know I wonder if if the fact that North Texas is now loaning out a lot of its players up to the USL Championship, if this isn't actually an advertisement for ProRail among MLS two teams, by the way, because if they were playing in the championship this year, they could have just kept the exact same roster and just been in the championship, right? So so um, my theory, especially with Breck Evans and Colin Montgomery, is they're loaned out. I, with Arturo Rodriguez, and I said this on USL Aces, and if you guys you know want to hear more about USL Championship uh, as well as League One, you can check that check that episode out. But I had said that Kyle, I think Montgomery and Evans are staying in Texas on loan in USL Championship because those are two players that they plan on having played for the first team because Ziegler's thirty, um, Matt Hedges is getting up there, right? Those guys aren't going to be the I think well, Ziegler might be 33 actually, but they're not going to be playing much longer, right? So this is one of those things to where they now get the experience at a little bit of a higher level, then they can come in the first team next year, play back up, and then be ready. Um, Arturo, I think they're just trying to get as many eyes as him on possible. I think like Real Salt Lake has that European connection. Uh, they have a pipeline and a proven record of selling players off. Um, and so I think what North Texas is doing is they're picking how they're distributing their players, right? If they're going to be someone they think, no, we're going to sign them 
to the first team and they're going to play for our first team. They're keeping him close. Whereas Arturo, I think they're shopping him around to try to draw up that, that value on him. Right. And then that puts the pressure on the real system. Like, okay, well if they want you, if, if he's going to play for salt Lake, now you're going to have people auctioning off and you're going to have to, you're going to have to put up a nice uh, little penny for him. Yep. So some, well, I was going to say Tam, but that's apparently not going to exist <laughs> anymore. So yeah, it would be be some other funny money from from Major League Soccer. Uh, so how about your second tier then? Uh, I think we're we still don't have much in the way of overlap here, but we do uh, not have any overlap yeah. in the second tier. So this is where it's going to get a little juicy. So I've got Chattanooga, and for everyone who sent in their uh, own versions of their tier list. Y'all are really disrespecting Chattanooga. Even Chattanooga fans are disrespecting Chattanooga, which was wild to me. And that's because they brought back their core. They brought in, you know, they they have Hearst now for a long term. And when he came in, they obviously were a different team. They're hoping to get everybody healthy. And then they brought in better defenders, right? So why wouldn't you have them in that kind of top two tier when they were an injury away from making the playoffs? Uh, I can't answer that question. Or is that rhetorical? I mean, (laughs) you could answer it, but all my questions are rhetorical because I'm always right. Come on now. All right. All right. So the Red Wolves are up there for you and also probably a team. And and quite frankly, I will tell you that after doing some research for this show, I probably should have put Tormenta up there, too. I I mean, I was just looking at their attack and you have Mikey Rowe, Daniel Jackson, who probably you know, I don't know if he'll be a starter necessarily. But then you have Devin Jamga and and Pato. I mean. Oh my God, Coutinho, Nicoletto. <laughs> yeah, Coutinho right behind him. Are you him. kidding Nicoletto me? Is, on the right. This oh. is the best attack in the league. I don't care yeah. what anybody says. This I, is the best attack in the league. I yeah. So I I think I mean I quite frankly after seeing that it's like, you know, and you still have Josh Phelps in the back. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean I think yeah I agree with you now. That that I think Tormenta I put one one tier too low. They should be up there. The, the biggest question with Tormenta right now is that right back. Right. They brought in Reese and. Can he? He's not the same player as Connor. Connor was the type of player who would defend, press, get the ball, and then have the the skills to really start that attack and could even finish it right. But that's something to where Coach Milleresi can can change tactics. So instead of it focusing on having your right back launch a counter attack, you have this talented attacking midfield. Maybe it's just about you know clouding the middle, getting the ball, and springing that counter. We know Pato can make great off-ball runs. We know the the passing ability of Coutinho and Micheletto. Yeah, this is if this is a team that's going to you know, give up two goals a game, three goals a game, they're also going to score four goals a game. So I'm I'm not I'm not convinced that they necessarily will give up that many goals. I mean, they, they added Reese Williams from um from from Lansing and to the back line. Um, you know, Jad Orslan played who who's a Tormenta original. He played on the very first team uh in the U twenty three team for um for in USL League Two for for Tormenta. He's played right back as well. He's not as good a, def- a defender as Connor for sure. Um, but he has you know he's able to get up and down that that wing pretty uh pretty well and I think could you know again like he's half a step down probably from um from from antley but um but i think he's serviceable there so i i don't think that they'll let in a whole lot more goals than they did last year i think that you know this team if it stays healthy um 
yeah, they, I mean, they're, they're playoff bound, uh, assuming they stay healthy. That's, that's, I don't want to say for sure because oh, nothing's say, ever for sure. If but they, if it's it's a huge disappointment if they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, this is a I, playoff I team. Agree. Simple yeah. as that. They even brought I, up I, Luka Mar from the second team. Yeah. And he was the best player in USL League too. Yeah. And he's, yeah, we'll talk about him a little bit later too. So just as a kind of a heads up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but he, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think they should be in the second tier. So I'm, I'm going to amend that, uh, um, my, my my third tier. I'm, I'm to, glad to, to show up. you the light. Thank oh. you, thank you. If these people weren't calling me a delinquent all the time and would just listen, they would but, see the light as well. Quite frankly, if I kept if I kept up with the signings the last two weeks, I probably would have had them up there too. <laughs> but um, let's talk about yours because one of them I'm I might have to talk you down. Yeah. So so forward Madison. Um, I mean, you already talked about their the challenges that forward Madison has. So I had them in my second tier just because they they didn't change that much but it is true that they're um i i think now with with uh with connor tobin back i'm a little bit uh, more uh more comfortable with it but i do think that forward is up there um kind of you know again half a step below greenville but i think they'll probably make the playoffs again um again i think how much depth they have and how healthy they can stay is going to be interesting and a little bit of my uh, of this might be the fact that i, I interviewed coach shore at the uh, united soccer coaches convention that you can find that uh in one of our shows from about a month ago and one of the things that he mentioned was, you know, he's not going to rely on players from Minnesota United, but they will get more loanies down from Minnesota United, particularly okay. probably some defenders. And I, so I, I think that they're not as in bad shape as it might seem on the surface just with who they signed because they will wind up getting a number of loanees who can fill in in spots. And um, but they, but they are building and, and not, they're not going to give up points in games like they did last year during the U.S. Open Cup either just because of the the new format of the U.S. Open Cup is going to help teams like Forward Madison quite a lot. All I know is what's on the roster right now. You're missing Wyatt Omsberg, who, as as great as a defender Connor was, Wyatt was equally as important. You're missing Carter Manley, who in that second half of the season when they put together that playoff run was the one who was really the one to make those stops and start, you know, those attacks and was the one to go upfield to send in those crosses. That's a big piece missing. You're not bringing back Josiel Nunez. So that's a big piece missing because like we mentioned, who's going to be that eight, who's going to be that box to box, who is that person that can spring an attack, but also defend. And then let's be real. Christian Diaz is now trialing for his second MLS team. Now, I don't know if he's going to get there. We talked about international spots. So a, if he does get signed, Props to Ford Madison because that is a huge deal for a USL League One player to sign with an MLS team that's not the affiliate of that USL League team and use up an international spot. I assume that would probably be the biggest transfer for USL League One, which they already have with Brian Silvestre. So props to Ford on that end. My thing is I'm looking at their roster and I look at that right back and I, you know, they brought in Eli, but I look at that left back. I don't know who they replaced Diaz with. I don't know if you put Jiro in there. Jiro, I really do like his his game and how he dictates the pace of it and he really can make an impact on both sides. But I, I just there's too many questions for me 
for that roster for me to put them in that second tier. Now, now opening day, they might come and fill everybody in and it looks a lot better and I feel more comfortable. I just don't feel comfortable right now with the roster that I can see in front of me. All right, fair enough. We'll have to agree to disagree on that. So, Jason, who's in your third tier then? Yes, so in my third, I have Ford, and then I also have Richmond Kickers. And I think that's something that you and I both have as well, right? Well, so I actually have... I actually have four teams in my third tier. So okay. I have like, you know, basically these are the, these are the teams that probably along with one other team will be fighting for, um, kind of those bottom couple of playoff spots. So I have the Chattanooga Red Wolves, um, which obviously, you know, very similar to you. I just, you know, I, I just thought forward would do a little bit better. Um, and then, uh, I also put union Omaha in this group as well. So, uh, so kickers, red wolves, union Omaha, I had tormenta, but I've moved them up now. So union Omaha is kind of a hopeful pick. Um, I just, I, I like the idea of what they're doing. I, I think that like forward Madison last year, um, they get the fans behind them and they have a deep enough roster, um, that they'll be able to squeak into the playoffs in their inaugural year. And, and it seems like they're doing those kind of things. So like if, if, if I were to force rank all these teams, I think I would probably kind of put them in, in the, 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 the sixth spot, like fighting it out with the kickers and the red wolves for five, six and seven in the league. Um, and that's kind of where I, uh, where that, that tier right there is kind of the, the call it the playoff bubble tier. So if you look at Chattanooga's roster right now and compare it to Ford, do you think Ford beats that roster? I think that those are going to be fun games to watch. So, <laughs> uh, uh, and, and props the props to Omaha. Um, I've got them in my in my fourth tier, um, the next tier, which we'll talk about. The fans are absolutely getting behind the team. Uh, they had a viewing party for their preseason game, and the amount of fans that came out for a preseason viewing Reportedly party, a hundred people with no sound, <laughs> like that. That's unbelievable. It's it's so I'm excited for them. I just am hesitant to rank a team and automatically put them in the playoffs when they have not played together, when they have not gone through that, you know, five game away trip, when they haven't played double game weeks, when they still are, you know, getting to know each other as good as they looked in that preseason game. I feel like you got to go through, you know, the up and downs of league one before I can, you know, put you up any higher. All right. And, uh, let's see. So who, in my shoot, I just went on to yours. So here's mine. So my fourth tier is only one team, and that's Toronto FC two. It's you know well, if any before before we go to four because we both okay. have the kickers. Um, why do you have them in your third and, and not your second or, or your fourth? Well, I think they solidified their back line a lot with uh, with, with Akwe and Kyle Ventner back there. Um, I I also think that they'll they'll figure things out. I think that. Um, uh, I think that Coach Swatsky will, you know, basically build his his roster and play his way. And I think that that's going to surprise a lot of people. That a lot of people go back and look at what FC Tucson was playing last year. And I suspect that um, he'll wind up playing a little bit differently than the counterattack style that Tucson played for most of the season. And I think because of that, you'll wind up having more solidity and uh, and more cohesion within the team. Um, and uh, you know, so so anyway, uh, like I said, I think that they will 
will be fighting for a playoff spot with probably with Union Omaha, right? So it winds up, you know, one of those teams is probably six, one team's probably seven. Um, okay. I think that I would give the Red Wolves, you know, a little bit of an edge and, you know, put them in fourth right now. So, um, okay. Uh, so, See, anyway. I, I'm with you. The only thing that reason why I wouldn't put them in that second or, um, that second tier or third tier, uh, the second, sorry, second tier is I, I don't know who's scoring for them. Yeah. They, they, their leading goal scorer last year was Joe Gallardo with six goals. Then Dennis Chin had five, and then I can't even tell you who's. I guess everyone on the team just shared had a goal two. After that. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> and and I don't know if you can get away with that, especially if they are uh, going to be playing. You know, defensive sounded. You're going to have to have someone that can take control of the game. And when I look at that roster, I just don't see it right now. Well, I think my uh, my my answer to another one of the listener questions, or, or the, actually the same listener question, but for that team, could be the person that control the midfield. Okay. Um, if they if they play the way that I think that they can. Okay. Um, all right. So who's in your fourth tier? Yeah. So that's where I have Omaha, and like I said, it's nothing personal. I think the roster looks good. I think that they definitely have a chance to make the playoffs. I just need to see them go through that first half, right? It's it's all there's paper and then there's experiences. But then my uh I guess you would call it my shocker. I've got Orlando City B up there. I keep trying to tell y'all this is not going to be the same Orlando City B that you see uh last year. This is going to be a team that has a lot more first team players coming down that has international loanees and not just international loanees, but international loanees trying to make the first team. They're not going to use their international spot on guys that they think are just going to play for a year and then go back, right? Like when you look at players that they used last year like Tiago de Souza, I think they truly wanted Tiago de Souza and Tiago just decided he wanted to go back home or go play for another team, right? So I think they're going to surprise people. This isn't your little three-point easy schedule look. This is someone that's going to compete. And then I got Toronto FC two down there just because I I don't know what to expect from them, right? Like they have quality, but how how much are they playing consistently together? Is Jaden Nelson going to get called up? Uh, is the Canadian Youth National Team going to take away half of their roster? Uh, it's just it's hard right now for me to judge exactly how consistent Toronto is going to be. Yeah, so I I only had Toronto by themselves, but I can see the point of OCB, uh, who I have in you know the next tier down, and I do think that they'll be better than than they were last year. I think that they'll um, like they and Toronto will probably be the best of the of the two teams this year. Uh, well, I I guess North, North Texas technically would be the first, but um, uh, but but of those that aren't North Texas, <laughs> that basically those are the two, and and they have the experience in the league, and and I, I see your point. Um, I, I just wonder though. You know, my, my fear is when you get those international players in, like how much chemistry are they going to necessarily have with the other players around them? And will they be showboating and mm-hmm. you know, wondering why am I here as opposed to playing on the first team? Right. So there's can, there's always that kind of chemistry thing. So but if you have good players and good, yeah. for call, did they qualify for the Olympics? Uh do the men we don't know they haven't had qualifications yet that's next next month right okay um, so we won't so, know but the women did um but, right but that's, that's not a surprise okay, that's what i'm thinking so I mean, he, canadian women are fifth or sixth best in the world so here's my yeah. spicy take if they qualify for the olympics ocb finishes above them okay i i could buy that i don't think i don't know i don't think that's that spicy really because toronto will probably lose at least two or three of their key pieces um, so that wouldn't, uh, that I, I think that that's a reasonable take for sure. Okay. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, because that's probably like potentially nine points lost during the Olympics, right? The so. way people treat OCB, though, that it there that should be considered a spice to take because people act like OCB can't eat the like are playing with YMCA kids. Well, if those and those people remember the team from last year, and I agree right. with you, I think it's going to be a little bit more professional. They're playing in a different stadium. They're playing. They have a different uh, training facility. They professionalize the team a little bit. I mean, last year, last year it was basically a glorified academy team, right? This year, I think it'll have a little bit of a different look. I mean, it'll look more like Toronto or Tucson than it will, well, last year's OCB, right? right? <laughs> so, so, and then we we share uh, the two other teams in tier. Or we share one team in tier D, and that's FC Tucson. Yeah, I mean, just because, like you said, like they're building out teams. They'll have pieces that look really good, but I'm not sure about how much cohesion. And based on what happened last year, where there was so much rotation in and out of the lineup, that I'm I'm not sure that they've kind of built up that chemistry and cohesion. So you know, one of the things that happened with Toronto, and that you know, Toronto had a horrific back line last year, but when they brought in midfielders and and forwards, everyone was playing the same style, and the the Toronto two and the first team, you know, played very similar. So when you looked at, you know, where the lines were during different phases of play, they looked very similar. So you could go into that. I'm not sure that Tucson has that cohesion yet from, you know, having players come up from the academy through Tucson and then up to the first team. You just don't have that yet. And once that's built, Tucson will probably be more organized and uh, and, and there'll be a little bit more plug and play. But right now, I, I still think that they're in the process of building that. They're not quite there yet. What do you think they're doing with Jordan Jones? Do you think I that they they they're waiting for him to go to Phoenix Rising because they be selling player or they be you know getting players for Phoenix Rising? They sell them every year, you know, three or four, and he's just up next, and so they're trying to just keeping him around to groom him. Maybe, but uh, yeah, it's surprising that he's still in USL League One, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. It's, I feel like he's in purgatory right now. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess we both have the Revs two and uh, Fort Lauderdale at the bottom, right? Well, um, so you, I've only got Fort Lauderdale at the bottom. I actually got Revs two equal with FC Tucson. I think that's a team people are kind of sleeping on. You've got some USL Championship guys who are really good. That a couple I'll talk about in a little bit. And then you've got international strikers like Orlando Sinclair. Uh, the Revs are definitely a team that produces good academy players and definitely a team that has a good amount of first team players that sit on the bench that I think would do well in USL League One. So I'm giving them a little bit of hope. I don't think they're going to be as bad as uh, people think. So, I mean, they might not be. I mean, it's very possible that, like, you know, all four of the the last teams that we mentioned, right, like FC Tucson, OCB, you know, Fort Lauderdale and and Revs 2 could all be fine, right? They could all be very challenging. And and I hope that they are, right, because that makes for a more fun league when there's more parity within the league. But even looking at at some of the players in Fort Lauderdale, I mean, like, like Espen being on Fort Lauderdale, you know he he's he's serviceable in USL League One, so oh, absolutely. He's, you know has decent players around him. Yeah. Um, you know again you force rank teams, and I could see you know I could see the potential for the Revs two to make the playoffs. I mean that's not outside out out of the question. We we haven't seen you know the style of play. We haven't seen how how the um, 
we haven't seen the chemistry amongst the players, and I think that that's going to be huge, particularly for teams that are basically brand new. I mean, I would even put you know FC Tucson and OCB in in those categories, where all four of those teams are uh, are basically brand new teams with just a couple of holdovers from you know year on year in the case of both Tucson and OCB. So it's funny you say that because so one of the questions I was going to ask you is. Which team has the biggest potential to have the highest ceiling or to to climb up the most, right? Like a team that we might be ranking at the bottom, who has the highest ceiling that they can get to, right? Like you said, like, okay, yeah, maybe the Rebs do make the playoffs or maybe OCB does, you know, become a five seed. Who do you think has the highest ceiling of the tier list? So... So let's say from tier, tiers uh, from the bottom three tiers. Yeah. Uh, for example, um, I don't think it's out of the question that like Toronto winds up, you know, getting a home playoff game. I, I don't think wow. that that's out of the question. I mean, obviously, there's okay. a lot that has to go right for them, but um, you know, they, they they're probably going to bring back some of their. Um, from, from what I'm hearing anyway, they're, they're going to have um, still a lot of the same players from last year in the attack. And, you know, they, they organize their back line better and they don't, you know, have this raggedy, you know, uh, you know, zigzag of an offside line, you know, allowing a lot of teams to get in behind them. And the next thing you know, they give up, you know, one less goal per game and or, or you know, half a goal less per game. And the next thing you know, they're, you know, they're in fourth place. And yeah. that would not surprise me one iota. Yeah, and I, you've got them in your third. I've got them in my fourth. So I'm going to say Union Omaha, um, I think, has the highest ceiling. I think if they come out the gates and they just naturally have chemistry, uh, they, they prove their depth and they prove that they can work well together. They have that fan base behind them. Uh, yeah, they've got Coach Mims. Uh, yeah, this is a team that could easily be in contention of hosting a playoff. Uh, I yeah, I'm I'm there too. I mean, I I think that they could kind of of that of what I have in the third tier. Any of those three teams could you know potentially come in fourth, fifth, sixth. Funny enough, um, though, before we move on, when you look at Fort Lauderdale and the Revs and Tucson as my bottom three teams, I actually think that the Revs and Fort Lauderdale have a better chance of making the playoffs in Tucson. Uh, explain why, Jason. I be, like you said, it's just too much. Too much rotation. It's not one of those things to where it looks like this team is going to be consistent enough. It's like what Orlando City be, right? It's almost like they they didn't try to make the playoffs. It was more about development. It was more about getting the players into the games, which they felt they needed the experience in. And I think just because it's such a young team and then it's going to be mixed with USL championship veterans who are just down there and players who are kind of in that purgatory like Jordan Jones, I just don't like the the way that these players are coming together. Fair enough. So we go to listener questions because my bedtime's coming up here. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So first listener question from the Red City Army on Reddit. Uh your dark horse player from each team. So why don't we? Uh, I know you probably have some for the non-independent teams. Um, so I can only think of three uh, okay. before we went on air. So why don't you start? Um, don't take Richmond, Chattanooga, or Tormenta because those are the three that I'm <laughs> going to take. And uh, okay. And and why don't you start? And and then we'll just go every other one until I run out. Uh, so for Tucson, I'm looking at Charlie Booth. Uh, he played with Flint City uh, Bucks last year in League Two, one of the best teams in League Two. I think they won the championship. He captained for them. 
uh, is a very good defender. We talk about how, you know, FC Tucson likes to rotate players. This is a chance where I hope that he gets to play consistently and really get his feet uh, into the mud because he is someone that I think uh, has potential to grow to a USL championship player in a short time. All right, I'm going to go for the Richmond with Riley Kraft, who uh, has some experience on U.S. youth national teams. Um, he came in halfway through the season last year, looked good in his limited minutes. Uh, I think sometimes he got a little frustrated because he he kind of uh, his his teammates didn't have the chemistry with him that he was hoping. So assuming he can keep his um, kind of uh, you know motions in, in check and he's able to implement what Coach Swatsky wants to do, uh, I think he could be key for them and actually be a, a really key player for the kickers this year, um, assuming that the kickers, you know, have a goal score. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with another two team. I talked about it in an article on USL league one. I think Connor Presley is going to be a player that's going to catch some eyes. He's very skilled on the ball. Uh, what I really like about him is his crossing ability and his passing. He's a very good passer. Um, he's very good at one-on-ones down that right side. I think this is somebody that's going to be, a handful for defenders this year. All right, I'm going to go with Chattanooga Red Wolves' Nicolas Pettis. Uh, he's a uh, uh, Eastern European, or is he Greek? You think he's Greek? Uh, he's a defender. He's strong. He's aggressive. I, I think he's going to surprise a lot of players. And like you said, you know, everyone's signing six four strikers, so he's a guy who is not going to back down from challenging them for aerial balls and for you know, kind of just getting into good positions to block those guys out and not give them good looks on goal. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go North Texas. And even though um, people already know about him and it wouldn't be too much of a dark horse, uh, I'm excited to see what David Rodriguez is going to do. I think this is his time to take over the team, control that midfield. So it'll be it'll be cool to see if two brothers can do it two years in a row. <laughs> That's a good shout. Uh, for Tormenta FC, I'm going to go with someone who you mentioned earlier in the show. That's Luca Mayer. He played for uh, for Tormenta too. He was, you know, the best player in the league. He wound up, uh, you know, facilitating a, a ton. Um, and uh, he's actually an Austrian youth national team player. Uh, he has experience there. He's a very smart, a crafty dribbler. Has great vision. His vision is phenomenal. When you watched um, when you watched Tormenta two last year, he was uh, um, he found passes that you like. Like, how did he even see that, much less actually get the ball to his teammate? And I'm just going to throw this in there because I, I got to mention it. Lars Eckenrode is going to be a really important piece for Tormenta this year, I think. Not only because of his defensive ability on that back line that they're going to need, but he's also a leader. Uh, he only got to play four games last year because of injury, and I think that made them switch around that back line pretty much all year. I think he's going to be in there and he's going to really be the person to get that team together and kind of captain that back end. See, I, I considered Eckenrod, but the reason I didn't pick him was we were looking for players who were like dark horses and when healthy, Eckenrod looked really good. And so I, I didn't consider him a dark horse. Okay. Uh, so anyway, I mean, four, four games, it's tough, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so, but anyway, he should be a starter. So, uh, okay. So who else do you have? Cause you have the rest. I'm, I'm yes. out. <laughs> uh, for Ford, I'm going Giro. Um, and I know that's not necessarily a dark horse because he's beloved by the fan base. He obviously, uh, was a, uh, Twitter hero when he trialed for Minnesota and was scoring goals left and right. 
but I think he plays a huge role this year. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, he dictates the the pace and the flow of the game very well. He can press up high. He can bring pressure. He can uh, bring that kind of speed and that aggressiveness, or he can hold possession uh, and kind of slow the game down. So I think Jiro has a very big opportunity to shine this year. Okay, and do you have anyone else? Uh, for the sake of time, I'm just going to name one more. Um, and for my for for Fort Lauderdale, I think uh, Sosa is going to be a name that we're going to be saying a couple times. Uh, he, I think he really is USL Championship quality, uh, and it's a good get for them. And we're going to see that pretty soon. Nice. Okay, anonymous asked, uh, "What is considered a failure for each team this season?" Um, so. Obviously, that depends for each team. Um, do we want to go through all twelve? Um, again, I'm I'm noting that it's all right. nearing nearing my my witching hour here. Here's what I'm gonna do. Uh, Greenville, uh, Ford, Tormenta, Chattanooga, and us kickers for sure, and. Those five, for sure. If they don't yeah, make if, the playoffs, they should be disappointed. Simple yeah, as that. I, if you're a fan, you're extremely disappointed. Those I teams agree. don't make the playoffs. And, the, and then your level of disappointment is probably in that order. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. So, um, and I think I, I think for some of the two teams, it's you have a couple of players who you think might be able to play spot minutes in Major League Soccer or on Phoenix Rising, and they don't. I also right, think so. teams like... When you look at the goal differential, if if teams like Chattanooga are still scoring one goal a game, two goal a game after making those improvements, or if Richmond is still not able to score goals, that's a big disappointment as well. Because it's one to not improve enough to make the playoffs, but it's also one, it's another thing to not improve in the reason why you didn't make the playoffs last year. Yeah. Fair enough. So shall we move on to Chico9702 asked, in your opinion, which region of the West Coast should the league try to put it to put expansion teams and why? Midwest. Well, it it asked which region of the West Coast was the specific question here. Well, I mean, so. the, the West Coast—it's the <laughs> mid of it, right? That's what Midwest means. The the, the oh, the Midwest Coast. You mean somewhere yeah. north of San Francisco and south of Tacoma? Yes. Okay, there you go. So somewhere, uh, somewhere north of Sacramento. Then. I think uh, I think like with San Francisco, I know you have a Nisa team there now. I I. Uh, you got the Oakland roots and then you have another team in there. Um, that's a year like 1904 or something. Um, I think there's just, there's, there's opportunity there. Right. And so it's tough to compete against them. So maybe you go a little further up North or you go down towards, um, San Jose. Uh, I know Riverside we've talked about, right. Is a possibility for next year. So I think that would be a really good introduction in that area. Tucson's got to find somebody to play with. Right. right. So, uh, I think that's definitely a, a region that would be good. So, so Eugene, Oregon, or like Redding, California, um, you know, I, uh, interesting, like, like Fresno lost their team. Like that would be an interesting place for a league one team as mm. well. Like, yeah. um, you know, something a little bit, uh, a little bit smaller. And I think um, they, they talked so. about that, didn't they? Where an owner was interested in kind of doing that. 
Uh, I th- I thought I yeah I heard definitely heard rumors about that that they were thinking now I didn't wasn't sure if it was League One or a championship though so okay. I think that's the that's the question and again I'll go I'll go back to Boise um, yeah. I I think that that region of the country you know needs some professional soccer somewhere um, let's see heavy bomber underscore uh, said do you think the new Chattanooga Stadium actually exists or does it just pretend well I can tell you for sure it it's in process whether or not it will actually be open on opening day is a different story but um there was a recent interview with uh uh with the own was the owner general manager i I don't remember um but basically you know they were talking about uh that as long as the um uh as long as the weather kind of held and they were able to continue to work that it would be done I, i don't know i suspect that they'll have at least a a number of games that won't be at the at the stadium but sometime this season um you know they're scheduled to play there so um we'll I see i think early i think there's the opening is supposed to be like april 25th or something like yeah that. exactly so they they're on the road a bunch right at the beginning of the season but mm-hmm. i don't know I, I don't you know these things they, they always miss those dates right it's it's Never ever kind of goes on time. I mean, look at Tottenham Hotspurs, right? They were supposed to start at the beginning of the season, and they had to wait halfway through the season before. Yeah, the, well, I don't think Chattanooga is going to have a field that goes into the ground and <laughs> and pops up as a hardwood floor, but <laughs> like, like no, Tottenham's I, does. <laughs> I, I understand, but you know, they only broke ground less than a year ago, so yeah. No, it's yeah. a quick turnaround. Yeah, it is pretty fast. Uh, SC Soccer asks. <laughs> uh, I uh, okay, so I didn't phrase it this way. I rewrote this. I apologize. We're trying not Listen, to have. We're trying to get these Disney checks. All right, you can't I, be I, out here just, using your just, bad my words. Kids, my kids listen to this podcast. I don't want to have to explain some of these things to a nine-year-old girl. Okay, uh, I want an hour show praising. That's where I changed it. Praising the Greenville Triumph, please. Uh, so we kind of did, actually, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we yeah. 100% did this time. We called uh, them keep... the best team in the league. We, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, keep up the great work, y'all. And uh, we appreciate that. Thanks, yeah. uh, thanks, SC Soccer. And uh, one thing I will say about Greenville is a uh, shout-out to, to Joe Irwin. Uh, Joe was calling uh, the local news station to be like, yo – we want our preseason game. Y'all need to report about that. And yeah, one I don't sentence. Know, All he wanted was one sentence. I don't know how many, but like the the involvement of an owner like that is absolutely beautiful, right? Like I, I don't know too many owners. I I doubt Arthur. Well, I, Arthur Blank is involved, but I doubt there's a lot of owners who are calling up themselves to the news stations and saying like, "Yo, I don't hear my team's name. Get it together." So exactly. shout out to Joe. Needs to be, uh, yeah. Usually it'd be like, "Hey, press person, why the heck aren't we on the news?" Yeah, put, exactly. put them in place, Joe. I like. Yeah, it. And and apparently they hit they they then hit the eleven o'clock news. So when it wasn't on the six o'clock news, they they you know mentioned it on the eleven o'clock. So that was that yeah. was good good PR work right there. <laughs> so uh, Brandon esque asks, uh, up to this point, which team do you think has improved the most this off season? So Jason, who improved the most in your opinion? That's a good question because by improving the most, I don't like it can be read as different things, right? Like you can say that Greenville improved the most because they took care of everything they needed to, right? And they're they're ready to go now. But then you can also look at team where I think that improved the most is Tormenta because now I think that they've got the depth, they've got 
you know, the best attack in the league. And so they have a higher ceiling of improvement from not making the playoffs to possibly finishing second or first in the league, right? So I would say Tormenta, that's how you measure what improvement is. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually agree with you on that one. Um, you know, it's it's hard because I think a lot of teams have improved, the, but the question is, who improved the most? And I think. Um, you know, Tormenta, uh, us just being able to say like, this is definitely a playoff team this year. I think that that just shows that they've improved quite a lot. Right. Yep. So, um, I mean, not that they were that far out of the playoffs last year, but, um, you know, the fact that they've added to their attack, which was their attack was decent last year, but now, yeah, like you said, it's, it's among the best. And as long as their back line stays healthy, they're, they're a playoff team. So, right. I agree. Um, yeah. So final question, RVA is red. Top five to ten guys from the league last year who are currently unaccounted for, uh, to the best of our knowledge. So let's just go with a couple. Just throw some names out there, Jason. Who's not accounted for that you know was surprising? I mean, obviously, I, I was when when I first saw this, I was like Connor Tobin. And then of course, Connor Tobin signed. So uh. <laughs> where is Ivo Serta? I don't oh, yeah. where understand where this man is. <laughs> There's I, I I don't know if. If it's it's a negotiation thing with teams, a USL championship, I don't know. But for him, if he does not start this year, I will be astounded. I do not, I I will not believe it because that's an easy starter on any team in this league. Right. Richmond for sure needs him. I don't understand why they have not constantly called him for the past three months. I'm really surprised too that at at some level. It always surprises me that that and and maybe this will become something that's consistent within the league, is that the rosters still aren't more or less finalized, and we're in the and we're already a week and a half, two weeks into preseason, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's really odd to me that that the rosters aren't more set. Like it's one thing to start preseason with a big roster and try to whittle it down, you know, maybe have a couple of trialists, but you know, if he was a trialist somewhere, we probably would have heard about it, right? Right. Yeah, I, I have no idea where this man's at. At least for an independent team. Maybe he's trying out for a two-team that doesn't actually communicate anything. No, Ivo San Diego, go ahead and drop me a DM and let me know what's going on. (laughs) There there you go. Uh, So anyone else you can think of? I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Richard Danzo. Yeah, Danzo, when he played for North Texas, we were surprised he didn't come back, right? Because mm-hmm. he looked good the the end of the season that, you know, right down the stretch there, he was a key, you know, impact substitute for them. So He, he looked um, real good. But but I guess the question with, with him, he was an international as well, right? So Yeah, uh, I – what – was he international? Uh, I thought he was. Maybe I'm okay. wrong about that. Um, but – uh, let's see. Richard. Yeah, he's yeah he's a Ghanaian international. Yeah, that's so. what I thought. Um, so I don't know if he he had visa issues. He went home. Yeah. Uh, if maybe he's playing somewhere else and we just don't know it yet. Um, I mean, it's completely possible that. I mean, he was on loan from Wafa, so maybe he'll come back. Um, yeah. You know, that's possible. Or maybe the Ghanaian league is going to play again this season, uh, this year. And if that's the case, then he's back at, at Wafa, which is like Wafa, by the way, is like the powerhouse in that league. So, um, you know, he's one of the he's playing already for, you know, one of the best teams in the Ghanaian Premier League. Right. Um, so and, and has for like two years and the dude's 20 years old. Right. Um, 
not even 20, excuse me, he's 20 and a half. <laughs> well, so. one, and then one player I had on my list until I found out today that he actually did sign somewhere was um, Cito Siena for um, Chattanooga Red Wolves. Right. So uh, apparently he is in the Norway, Norwegian league. Oh, good for him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the other thing that we wouldn't necessarily find out. Like, especially if they're in, in a smaller country, lower leagues, like the second division, or you know, even if you're playing in Sweden or something, like it's not not somewhere where I would necessarily have heard about it, unless unless a team, you know, tweeted and said, "Oh, our former player signed here." But you're not going to do that for a t- for a player that you released, right? Like, yeah, you do that if you, on a transfer. So, all right. I'm we, sorry, Icelandic league. There you go. Icelandic. Oh, okay. even even, even less smaller. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> super sized episode today. Thank you for listening. Been an hour and forty minutes or so. Uh, Jason, where That's can people connect work. with you? Yeah. Home sweet soccer. I got a whole another hour and forty to go. So tweet, you know, tweet me, and I we we got I got all day. Let's all do right. it. I can be found at Ira Jersey, and you can connect with the show on Twitter at League One Fun. That's League the number one and fun. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and check out bgn.fm and other great soccer podcasts where by the time you hear this, I will have two ProRel articles on bgn.fm in their just, written section. You're just two. asking for One it. One of them, uh, Jason. 30, just asking for it. 3,300 words, and I'm ready for you to at me on Twitter. Thank you. Um, you're every, I'm going to, I'm going to blow up, uh, I'm going to blow up pro rail Twitter with this. You know, you know uh, how many, how many words those trolls are going to read of that article? Uh, the headline. Exactly. Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, actually I should say, don't at me unless you read the article because by go. it's, it's, I don't know. In my opinion, it's, uh, uh, it's, you know, <laughs> so and also, of course, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of Major League Soccer, United Soccer Leagues, and U.S. Soccer. Get your custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Hey, Ira, before we go, I had a quick question for you, though. What's that, Jason? Are you tired of the same old uniforms and cookie-cutter uh, templates from Nikes and Adidas? Oh, you know I am. Are you? Because I am. Are you looking for a unique and completely custom kit for your youth team or Sunday league team? Or I know you're on your 65 and older AARP <laughs> league team. Is that something that would interest you? Of course. Well, let me tell you something. Icarus FC can help you create that kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. That is I-C-A-R-U-S-F-C.com. Com. Thanks, Jason. I have to remember IcarusFC.com. It's easy to remember. IcarusFC.com. Do it. Jason, until next time, hashtag support local soccer. I have a sort of, if you're listening to this, just just like send Morse code. Where are you, bruh? Did it, 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 did